0: Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. Precious Lord, we just place your name this evening. We come before you. We're asking God of glory for wisdom, understanding, revelation, and instructions that enable us to live the life you've ordained for us. We bless your name for the grace and the moment. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we're going to continue with our subject on biblical language in Numbers, and we're dealing with number 18 and 19. But on the part, this is part 18. Part thirteen. But won't we want to be dealing with Numbers... 18 and 19. going to be very brief. I just want to give you the point. And uh, next week, I'll pick up major numbers. Maybe number 20, number 13, number 14, number 15, just like that. And then uh, you can go study on your own from whatever numbers you want. Praise the Lord. Uh, This is basic understanding that enables you to study and understand how numbers work in the scriptures alright so number 18 Um, the number 18 occurs severally in the scriptures Um, if you take time to study especially in the Old Testament we find that Joshua served for instance as a false judge for 18 years in Israel you know after he took the children to the promised land and uh, divided the land among them. You know. And that was before the first human king Saul uh, came into place. There were 18 judges that served in Israel. And Joshua was among those people. That's number 18. We have 18 judges that served. And then uh, when you look at scriptures like uh, Psalm 110, and that's number 1. It's referenced in the New Testament not less than 18 times. You know, Psalm 110, verse number 1. It's referenced in the New Testament not less than 18 times. But then we will get into basically what number 18 stands for. These are just two backgrounds I just need to give to you as to how it occurs in Scripture. Several other ones are there, but I just decide to give you two. But basically, what does number 18 stands for? Number 18 stands for bondage. Bondage. That's what it stands for. And I'm going to show you a few scriptures on that for you to understand how it works. So number 18 speaks of bondage. Very important. So, let's look for instance Exodus 20, verse number 1 to 3. Exodus 20, verse number 1 to 3. I needed to get these facts. As um, we go down, you'll be able to see even Jesus have to make use of that statement, right? In the book of Luke, when we get there, you find that. Exodus 21 to 3, the Bible says. Exodus 20, number 1 to 3. And God spake all this well, saying, verse 2. I am the Lord thy God, which I brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. He so Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Now I want you to look at that. First of all, you see here, that immediately after the word bondage, the next thing is God giving commandment to the children of Israel, not to worship idols. Did you notice that? Let's go back again look at it. Verse number one. It says, and God speak all these words, saying, verse two, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. So what's the next thing? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Meaning, other gods bring you into what? Bondage. Praise the Lord. Serving other gods as I heard us, is a realm of spiritual bondage under satanic influence. Which results in God punishing such people with physical bondages. I am the Lord that God that have no other God before me. Like he said. For saying this, I mean before saying this, he has said I brought you out of the house of bondage. Meaning, even while they were in Egypt, they were in bondage, and they were serving other gods. And that is why you need to understand that of the ten plagues that Moses displayed in Egypt, each of those plagues was against one of the gods that they were worshipping in Egypt. Each of those plagues. And God did that to be able to Defame or reduce the influence and the impact of these gods in the mind of the children of Israel. To prove a point that there is a higher God, there is a stronger person than the God they were worshipping. Are you following this? So, all of those templates were against the ten gods. But when in Egypt, which largely you can also begin to see... That the children of Israel... Have began to... Believe into... Trust into... Everybody have been there for... 400 years... And they have not seen anything... Supernatural in terms of... The sovereign God... Amen... So they have come to start believing... Into the powers of those gods as well... And so God wanted to take them out... So to create a conviction... It has to deal with those gods in their presence so that they can see that oh, there is somebody super powerful than the God that we have always observed for this 400 years. Praise the Lord! Are you still there? Right, so that is the point. So, when he said, I brought thee out of bondage, therefore thou shalt not. You have to understand that, in other words, if you go into idolatry, if you go into any other thing. You go into bondage again. In other words, you go back to worship idols, then you get yourself into what bondage. By implication, idol worship brings you into bondage. Spiritual bondage. You know? Praise the Lord. Let's look at, for instance, the book of Judges, chapter 2. I will read verse 7. Uh. I think we should start from verse number 7 and then we can move down to verse 10 to 11 then to verse 13 then 14. I want to show you something here in relation to when you go into bondage and what happens to you on the bondage of worshiping other idols hallelujah and the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua And all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. So one of the things that kept them worshipping the true God was the miracles that they saw. Amen? All the days of Joshua they were worshipping the true God, if you will. And then even those beyond Joshua, they were also serving the living God. But let's go to verse 10. Or you can just take verse number eight if you will. Let's just read it through to fourteen. Verse number eight. And Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died being a hundred and ten years old. One one zero. Psalm one one zero. Alright. Okay. And verse nine says, And they buried him on the border of his inheritance in Timateres in the Mount of Ephraim on the north side of the Hegilead. They buried him there. Hallelujah. And uh, very specific. Thank you, Lord. Very specific. He was buried in his inheritance. Right? Good. So it's important you realize that. Once God gives you an inheritance, you leave it out. Amen? Praise the Lord. Okay. So verse 10. And also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers. And there arose another generation after them. We do know the Lord. Nor hear the works which he done for Israel. Now, I, I find it difficult sometimes to comprehend when I read this. How is it that there was no transfer of this knowledge to the next generation? After Joshua had left, after the elders have left, there arose another generation. So how come? What happened that there had to be that gap? The Joshua generation knew about the Lord. The elders after the knew about the Lord. But there arose another generation that knew not God. And sometimes when I look at history, and look at even what is playing out in our days today, sometimes it baffles me as well. i begin to think that, yes, there is also another generation that's rising that doesn't know God. Amen? Because how could that have been? This is a whole nation. In the days of Joshua, they knew God in the days of the elders after Joshua they knew God but they come to a particular generation and they knew not God. How come? Was it that men they never told the children what happened? So again you realize that sometimes we create a gap when we don't raise our children to begin to believe in the things that we do. When we start raising children and thinking that they can have responsibility or take you see, scripture simply said, train up a child the way it should go." right? When he grows up. Praise the Lord. So, look at the gap here. So, now we're coming to another generation that knew not God. But that was a nation that was, I mean, God-ordained nation that brought them from captivity. Okay. Look at the next thing. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served by him. Now they were seven idols. Don't forget Exodus 20 verse number 3. You don't have to do that. Are you getting what I'm saying now? Fine. The way seven idols. After Joshua is gone, after the next generation gone, another one arose that you knew not God. Anytime a generation rises up that doesn't know God, they do things that are contrary to the mind of God. You find that the children of Israel actually came into captivity because... Joseph died and another Pharaoh rose that knew not the works of Joseph and knew not God and brought them into bondage. You remember that? Anytime another generation rises up that doesn't understand what the previous generation did, they go into bondage. That is why they have to have a continuity in that which we believe and teach. Praise the Lord. They have to have a transfer of this knowledge. That the next generation or the wise, somebody was telling me yesterday that a few persons have been told. Maybe when he visualizes them... I, church, I say, hey, "Your pastor teaches very well, but he doesn't. He doesn't pray for people for the works of the hand to be blessed." Now they want to go to the place where you pray for your works on hand to be blessed. There's nothing wrong with that. But the point is it. What was it that they want to be blessed? They are all yahoo boys. And he was trying to tell me the kind of place they go to to worship, how much tithe and offering they give because they pray for them for the works of the hand to prosper. And this guy was telling me that those who are supposed to be learning handwork from him, they felt is delaying too much. They have to be out to make the money. And they go to churches where they pray for them to succeed in doing yahoo yahoo. Now you tell me, what generation do you think those people are, are building? I don't know if you are getting this. They are, not, they are not going to serve the very God that they who praise for them are serving. So by the time they pass out of the scene, a whole generation is dying. Because you are prospering the works of their hand. Learn simple handwork. They refuse. They feel if they learn too much. They want to go make money. So we know your pastor is very good, but he doesn't pray for the works of our hand to prosper. That's why we can't come to the church. But I'm not going to prosper or bless Yahweh in your hand. I don't think I'll be able to do that. Praise the Lord. I won't be able to do that. So it's a good thing that they won't come, because I won't do that. And good enough, they find people who do that for them. And this is why, in Psalm 37... Let, let's read that or come back here. Let's read Psalm 37 verse number 1. Psalm 37 verse number 1. It tells us something. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Neither be the envious against the workers of what iniquity. You can take from another translation if you will. Don't be anxious. Don't bother yourself about the success, if you will, of evil doers. So you see, a time come after the death of... No, no, no. I'm still dealing with Psalm 37. I just say you can take it from another translation. You see it? So now, your ministry... Okay, message. Don't bother your head with braggarts or wish you could succeed like the wicked. Very perfect. You understand that? So now, you look at ministry, you see how powerful some of these ministries are. Now if you're wondering... For You are minister, and then the resources are not coming to you like it's coming to other people. But think about the people funding these people. The source of the and the source of the offering. Praise the Lord. Are you following what I'm saying? Good. This is the key thing. I remember watching one of the videos the other day, I don't want to mention the man in the east, at come country church, and then there were spring, you see all this guy with car behind. Crazy Yahoo guys. Just spraying and spraying and spraying. I mean what church are we building? What generation of people do you really think we're having? So go to the judges now. Hallelujah. So, a generation rose that knew not God. They don't understand the God of Joshua. They don't understand the God of the elders after Joshua. And they went to serving idols. Believe him. What thinking to be the next thing that will happen? God already said in Exodus 20. Go back to Ju- Judges, I said. Praise the living God. Oh glory. So this is the point. What if verse 10? The book of Judges, like we're dealing with, chapter 2, verse number 10. And also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers and there arose another generation after them which knew not the Lord, not yet the works which had done for Israel. This is a generation that is, is blank, is black out. They have no understanding, no relationship with the very God that their fathers worship. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Now what's the next city did? Verse 11. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balim. That is a they serve Baal. Because they don't understand the God that their fathers worship. And this is very important. This is very crucial for every parent in this local assembly. That you should be able as much as possible to see how you guide your children. To believe and understand the God that you serve. Hallelujah. Are you there? Joshua 2, I said. Verse number 10. Joshua chapter 2, that's what we're dealing with. Praise the Lord. Now verse 12. Joshua chapter 2, verse number 12. And they forsook the Lord God of your fathers. Are we together? I'm dealing with Joshua chapter 2, God. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, who brought them out of the land of Egypt, and followed other gods of the gods of the people that were around about them, and bound, bound themselves unto them, and provoked the Lord to anger. Now, Exodus 21 to 3 is about playing out. And they forsook, verse 13, the Lord has had Baal and Zabal and Asherat. Verse 14. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel and he delivered them into the hands of spoilers that he spoiled them. And he sold them into the hands of the enemies right about so that they could not any longer stand before their enemies. A the punishment that follows serving other God outside of God. He already told them, I took you out from the house of bondage. Therefore, that there shall have no other God. So what is going on here now is, he allowed the enemy to put them in captivity. Now they're going to bondage. Why? Because they were serving other gods. That's number 18. Bondage. So this punishment meant, as a matter of fact, to reconsider their ways that they might turn back to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Are you following this? Okay. Judges chapter 3. Look at Judges chapter 3, verse number 12. Judges 3, verse number 12. And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord strengthened Eglon, the king of Moab, against Israel. Because they had done evil in the sight of the Lord. And he gathered unto him the children of Ammon and Amalek. And went and smote Israel and possessed the city of palm trees. So the children of Israel served. When they says served that means they become what? Born slaves. Eglon the king of Moab for how many years? Eighteen years. Did you get that? You see, some of the oppressions we come into, it's not just the devil. That's why I keep saying, God will only deliver his people. Some of the bondages that we come into, God deliberately allows the enemy to put them into the bondages because we have deviated. And God is not going to allow that just to happen overnight. He must have warned you severally without you taking heed to what he's saying. He already told them you can't serve any other God because I brought you out of bondage. Now after Joshua is gone, after that generation is gone, another one rose that knew not God and they start serving idols. So God now have to punish them. And in this case, 18 years when this bondage to these particular kings, the king of Moab and King Eglon they served them the Amalekites, all of those forces all of those enemies that were coming to take advantage of children of Israel were because God sold them out and the excess is for them to turn their heart back unto God hallelujah so you discover that if you study the book of Judges what you're going to see is this there is deliverance there is bondage the deliverance, there's bondage. Anytime they go into bondage, they cry unto God, God send a deliverer, a judge. Sam Sin, all those people, Jabal, whatever name them, they come into the scene so that they can deliver them from the bondages they play themselves. Now, what will always lead to those bondages? I do worship it will be surprising for you to understand that I mean to realize this fact that we are talking about people that have seen the miraculous work of God but they ended up becoming idol worshippers so sometimes you will be wondering can a Christian go into all? I told you before what it means to go into idolatry worship when you begin to do things and value things more than God that is service and idol worship praise the Lord when something has become more precious in the sight. I wish you can give me 1 John chapter 5. Let's look at verse 19, 20, 21. And I will come back to Joshua 3, verse number 14. 1 John chapter 5. Look at 19, 20, and 21. If you can get it. And we know that we have God and the whole world lies in wickedness. And we know that the Son of God is come, and has given us understanding that we may know Him; that is true, and we are in Him; that is true. Even He, in His Son Jesus Christ, this is a true God and eternal life. Verse twenty-one: Little children, believers, disciples, keep yourself from world elders This is New Testament so you have to understand what we're saying what then is an idol in the new testament it's not necessary you know paul already said in first corinthians also, so we know that there's nothing like an idol because there's one god isn't it right why just say keep yourself from idol he just told you something in verse 20 this is the true god if you have another another person or another jesus that the true jesus who is the true god he becomes an idol so anything you value more than Christ automatically is an idol. This is the true God. So if you begin to have other type of Jesuses, if you will, you put your faith in other type of Jesuses, then you already have an idol. That's why New Testament order is consigned. Praise the living God. Are you following me? Anything you value outside of God or more than God is an idol. If you have a mindset that does not accept the fact that Jesus is a true God, it's an idol worship. Amen? Okay, let's go back. So, Joshua chapter 3, and we we're, we're looked at what? Verse number 14. That was the last place we read. So the children of Israel had england the king of Moab for how many years? 18 years. Bondage. Okay. Just move on to George chapter 10, verse number 6. George 10, verse number 6. And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. You begin to see it. Anytime you read through the scriptures, that's what you see. God sent deliverance; they do evil again, and they are taken to captivity. So it's a cycle of deliverance and bondage. Deliverance and bondage. Hallelujah. And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord and saw and Asherat and the gods of Syria and the gods of Zidon. And the gods of Moab, and the gods of the children of Ammon, and the gods of the Philistines, and forsook the Lord, and serve not him. Sometimes when I read through the book of Judges, it amazes me. Why will you choose to forsake your God and serve another man's God? Why would some other person's God influence you so much to abandon the true God that you already know? This is just human nature. Praise the living God. Look at verse seven. And the anger of the Lord was heard against Israel. And he sold them into the hands of the Philistines. And into the hands of the children of Ammon. And that and that year they vexed and oppressed the children of Israel for how many years? Eighteen years. All the children of Israel that were on the other side, Jordan, the land of Amorite which is called, I mean, which is where, in Gilead. How many years did they serve again here? Eighteen years. Now, I want you to think about it. They're the same group of people. For one, a whole eighteen years, I mean, picture that, a whole eighteen years, you're under bondage, and God can't set you free. Maybe you don't serve in more than five years, you enter another eighteen-year cycle of bondage. I mean, I just begin to wonder how Israel. Now, remember, this time they were almost more or less right in the land. Praise the Lord. So this cycle was on because of the foolishness of the children of Israel. So I'm beginning to think that they were not experiencing freedom more than maybe 10 years before they go back into captivity. Just because of idol worship. So that's why sometimes, even in your finances, there are issues that brings you into bondage unknown to you. Amen? And it's very important you realize that. Praise the Lord. So we see that Israel was in bondage to our greatest enemies. England, the Moabite king and the Philistines for how many years? Eighty years. Because they deviated from serving the true God. Praise the Lord. These bondages, we must realize, can be seen <clears throat> as physical bondages, but are also spiritual bondages. Like I'm going to make you see. Israel was having physical bondages, but bondages also translate to spiritual bondage. And again, like I said, you can even come to a place of financial bondage where your finances are tied up. No progress. No increase. No multiplication. So they could be wrong somewhere. It's not always the devil. Now let me show you the spiritual bondage aspect. Because we don't deal with a lot of physical bondages. Luke 13, verse number 10. Luke 13, verse number 10. And he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, by Jesus. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity. How many years? Eighteen years. And was bound together. And could in no wise lift up herself. Right? What was the next thing? And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loose from thy world, infirmities. How many years was this woman in bondage? 18 years. Right? And you know one thing, anytime I read through the scriptures, something strikes my mind. You know, people were angry that Jesus did it because it was a Sabbath day. Right? Religion won't give you freedom. Uh, she has been coming to this place to worship. Nobody cares about the infirmity, being in bondage. Nobody cares about that. Religion doesn't care for who you are. As long as you can serve the system. Is that okay? Right. So like those people I talking about, they can bring all of those heavy offerings, but they are in bondage. They know they are in bondage. They don't have the true spirit. They have a guilty conscience with all that they are doing. But religion will tell you, will set you free because you are serving the system. So as long as this woman was attending service, that's okay. As long as she was increasing the population of the church, fine. But she was in bondage. (laughs) Are you there with me? And by the time Jesus set her free, they go mad. This is Sabbath. What is that supposed to mean? They value the law, the value the system, the value the 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 tradition, the value the religious system more than the life of God that is given to his people. So any system that values the system that they are operating in more than your life. It's one of such places that actually brings you into bondage and unto you. A religion does that. Praise the Lord. A religion does that. So, 18, like I said again, this one just gives you in the New Testament, a clear clarification of what it stands for, which is bondage, number 18. So, again, like I always say, if you have your revelations, if you're having dreams. For instance, in the course of this series, somebody asked me a question from Kenya, and he said, what is the meaning of number 318? That's 318. Because Abraham had 318 servants. What's the meaning of that? You see, a lot of people are benefiting from what we're doing. (laughs) Some of you don't even... You are not even taking this into into heart to digest them and to trigger understanding and to get you into higher thinking than just listening to it. And after the guy three one eight actually speaks of victory, progression, words, conquering power, exhortation, all of those things sound for three hundred and eighteen. Aside of being the primary name, if you will, if you check the letter of Eliezer, it's 318 in Hebrew context. But Abraham is 318 because it stands for victory, it stands for success, exhortation, wealth, name it, progression, excellence. That's 318. And that's why he defeated all of those kings that were warring against him. Because you use the number of victory. With the 318. Are you there with me? Praise the Lord. Now it's very important you catch up with these things. So here we see 18, number 18. 1-8. Talking about bondage. So, for instance, God, like I just mentioned now. If God, he had a revelation and God is showing 318. What do you think he's talking about? Success. Victory. Works. Excellent. Exhortation. Glory. All of those things. Speaks of number 318. And if God starts showing you number 18, that you know you are in bondage, your finances are in bondage, your spirit is in bondage, something is happening to you, and God is saying, get out. Seek deliverance, seek freedom. Praise the Lord. Are you with me? Amen. What did I say is number 18? Bondage. Is that okay? And bondage can be physical bondage, can be spiritual bondage, can be financial bondage. I May mean bondage is bondage. You can go around. Praise God. Alright, so let's move on. Use the remaining minutes to deal with number nineteen. Number nineteen. Number nineteen actually speaks of God's perfect order of judgment. 19, you know, it's a combination of 10 and 9. God's perfect order of judgment, that's number 19. It's a combination of 10 and 9, Gives you see 19. It occurs several in scriptures. Now, if you check all the women that are mostly mentioned, about 10 women that are mostly mentioned in the Bible, Mary Magdalene, was mentioned 19 times. That's the mother of Jesus. Not Mary, Magdalene. the mother of Jesus. Mary, the mother of Jesus was mentioned 19 times. Hmm? Right. Praise the Lord. Number 19 appears in the Bible only three times. You can find it in Genesis 21. I mean 11 verse 25. Just say 11 25 if you can find it very quickly. And then we'll look at Joshua 19, 38 and Second Samuel. Okay. Genesis nine, I mean sorry, Genesis eleven twenty-five. Eleven twenty-five. Praise the Lord. Can you find it? Twenty-five, I say. Genesis eleven verse twenty-five. And I lived after I beget terror a hundred and fifteen years and begot sons. And daughters. you check all of those things, you'll be able to see that. And then you go to Joshua 19:38 and Second 2 Samuel 2:30. 2, Just take those scriptures down, and then we can move on. Now, 19, as it relates to Israel, if you want to check the history of Israel, how did 19 play out? Very significant. You know, the kingdom was one in the days of Solomon. Is that okay? Right. But after Solomon's death, there was this conflict that came in between Rehoboam and Jeroboam. Remember that? Good. Now Rehoboam got two tribes, which is the southern kingdom. Then in the kingdom with Samaria, they got ten tribes. That was at the hand of Jeroboam. Praise the Lord. Now if you add the reign of Jeroboam, With the rest of the other tribe you have 19 kings that rule Israel. Before God allowed them to conquer the Assyrians. They have 19 kings that rule Israel. That's including Jeroboam. 19 kings that rule Israel. Before God allowed them to conquer the Assyrians. I mean to be conquered by the Assyrians. The Assyrians finally came to conquer them. But then they already had 19 kings that ruled before they were conquered by the Assyrians. And then they were taken captive you know, as allowed by God again, because of their sins. So, we find that the primary thing about number 19 is perfect order of God's judgment. That is just all about number 19. So they were taken into captivity after 19 kings have ruled Israel. The Assyrians came and conquered them. And they were taken into captivity. So you begin to see again that 19 follows 18. 18 speaks of bondage because of the things you've done. 19 plays out to perfect that judgment, the order of punishment that you're supposed to receive. Did you get that? Praise the living God. So don't forget this. 18 is bondage. But now we found out Nineteen comes to perfect the order of punishment you are supposed to receive for operating in 18. And the thing that leads to bondage in 18 is what? idolatry. You remember that? Good. Once you go into idolatry, you're moving into a realm of bondage, like I said, which could be financial bondage, spiritual bondage, physical bondage. And once all of these things begin to play out, God allowed the enemy to really conquer you. Which brings you to number 19. The order of perfect judgment that comes from God. So, after Israel, I've gotten 19 kings. And similarly, especially when you think about the issue of Jeroboam, they were worshipping other gods in Samaria. They never had the gods of the children of Israel. Amen. Praise the living God. Let's read something. John chapter 4. Let's take it from verse 20 if need be. John chapter 4. Verse 20. Okay, let's move up a little bit from verse 15. Let's go to verse 15. Now, remember, he was talking with a woman of Samaria. The woman said unto her, sir, Give me this water that I test not, neither come hither to draw. Okay, sorry, now I want to show you something. Anyway, let's move on. Jesus said unto her, Go call the husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto thee, unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. And what's the next thing? For well, thou hast had what? Five husbands. And he whom thou now has his mother's husband In that has the truth Or truly Now he wasn't talking of physical husband He was dealing with the gods That the Samerians were worshipping Time will not permit me I'll show you in the book of 2 Kings There are five different gods That they were worshipping Is that okay? Praise the Lord You see The gods are saying God is your husband That's what the Bible says so the God you worship automatically becomes your husband. Jesus was trying to say, you've been worshiping five gods who are not truly the true God you are supposed to worship. Now all of these people, this woman, they were under who? Under Jeroboam. As a matter of fact, Jeroboam was consecrating people and making sure there are a lot of altars everywhere I and mean, they just look at you, go and bring some, uh, Maybe five goats and some rams and whatever. He just bring, set up an altar. And he said he was doing all of that so that people don't go to Jerusalem. You understand that? So they had a lot of priests all over the place. Altars all over the place that they were worshipping. And then they had a mountain where they go to worship as well. Praise the living God. So Jesus was saying "No, All the gods you're worshipping are not the true God." That is what he was trying to tell the woman. He's not talking about physical woman. Praise the Lord. Are you still with me? <laughs> Amen. So, I am saying, Israel, at the time of Jeroboam, together with Rehoboam or so, they got 19 kings. Before God finally said, hey Amen, I got to do something about your life. Because your life of idolatry become too much and I the Assyrians to do what? To conquer them. There's a perfect order of God's judgment upon idolatry, if you will. So, what have we got tonight? Eighteen stands for what? Bondage. And what leads you to bondage is what? Idolatry. Like we find in Exodus 20. And idolatry can take any form and any shape. Even in your heart. Praise the Lord. Let me show you something. Um uh, Ezekiel 18, verse 1 let's see, is it 18 or 14 just give me Ezekiel 18, verse 1 let me see, that's what I'm looking for praise the Lord yeah, verse 2 go to verse 2 sorry, go to chapter 14 let's do it chapter 14 instead uh, yeah And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, these men have set up their idols where? In their hearts. And pulled the assembly block of their iniquity before their face. Shall I be inquired at all by them? Now, they came to Ezekiel to make inquiry before the Lord. Through Ezekiel. And God is speaking to Ezekiel and saying, they got idols where in their hearts. So idol is not just something you set up, some wooden stuff. Now we have idols of the heart. And don't forget, every form of idol you go into leads you to what? To bondage. So look at the next thing, verse 4. Therefore speak unto them and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, every man of the house of Israel that set up his idols in his heart and put out his bulk of his iniquity before his face and commit to the prophet I the Lord will answer him that commit according to what? The multitude of his word idolatry. They were not serving anything but when you bring some things in your heart it's just like you going to go to I don't know how to put it. We see, we know how we pray. We we know how we think. And something forms our prayer pattern. All of this is idols. Everything that is not in the will of God is an idol. You're going to answer. You know, some people really come to you sometimes say, Pastor, help me pray. Hmm? Pastor, help me pray. And you want to pray, but you know what? They already have something in their mind that they want you to confirm through your prayers. Are you listening to me? I feel like girls or boys want to get married. <laughs> they could be looking for I need a yellow a yellow man, I mean a yellow woman, I need a tall woman I need this, I need that. And then you go to the prophet or to the pastor and say, Pastor, I need you to pray. And there is somebody you are in somewhere. You go to the pastor to pray. What you're looking for is just to confirm. The statistics you set in place. But that's not how God works. And God said, I'm going to answer you according to the idols of your hearts. So, God can sometimes literally say, oh yeah, that's the person, go ahead. But that's not his will. He answered you according to the idols of your hearts. You go in there, what's the next thing? You go into bondage. Because you already have idols in your heart. And next thing that comes out of you is what? Number 18. Idols. Bondage. Can you get that? You say, should they come to inquire of me? When already they have something in their mind that they are looking for. It's not necessary. There is something they want to do. There is something they plan to do. There is something they want to execute. Now they are coming to my Just find out from me. It's like, you see, David had a problem for for summer 13. You know, when the Bible tells us, he has to call for the Urim and Tamim, the priest and begin to make inquiry, shall I pursue them? He had nothing in his mind. And when the the priest begins to say, yes, pursue and overtake and recover all, he had nothing in his mind when he went to the priest. Are you following what I'm saying now? So you don't build up things in your heart and you're looking for confirmation from God. God to put a stamp on what you're already thinking, that's an idol in your heart. And God will answer you according to the multitude of the idols in your heart so that you go into what? Into bondage. Praise the Lord. I remember one time that made some people to lose faith in God. There was a twin that went to this prophet for prayers. And they were praying about who to marry. And they went to this prophet, and the prophet prayed. I'm talking about what happened here in this city. The prophet prayed and said, Oh, yeah, that's the guy. Oh, yeah, that's the guy. They got married. That same week, they were coming from Benin. The two sisters and their husband died by accident on the road. So the question is, you just told these people, this is God's will, only a few weeks ago. What happened? How come God did not see that this is not going to work out? In terms of marriage. I don't know if you follow what I'm talking about. And that led a lot of people. Out of faith. They came to start disbelieving the prophet. But the truth is this. They simply got the answer. Of the idols of their hearts. Because God will make sure. The prophet confirms. What is in your spirit. So when you're going to look for answers, you're going to God be on a neutral gear. When I talk about neutral gear, is, if your car is on neutral, it doesn't go forward, it doesn't go backward. Is that okay? That's the best place. You're not going forward, you're not going backward. That is where God is going to bring his own mind. But if you start walking, yes. Another thing again, you could move, yeah, but be sensitive to what God is doing because he ordered the full step of the righteous. Praise the Lord. But this is what an idol of the heart does. It takes you into bondage. takes you into captivity. Every form of idolatry. Not just physical idolatry. Your money can become an idol. The way you value your money, the way you cherish your money... Anything that you prize above the value that God has for it becomes what? An idol. Praise the Lord. Are we listening? Amen? So, that is what the scripture tells us about the issue of idols of the heart. So when we're talking about, oh yes, you go into idolatry, then you go into captivity, we are not just talking about setting up an image somewhere. No, the image could be in your hearts. It could be in your mind. The way you think, the things you value, especially more than God. The things you prize above God becomes an idol. And when you make up your mind, or you made up your mind, and yet you want God to speak to you in those situations, He's going to answer you based on what you made up your mind for. So the best thing is for you to be sensitive to know the mind and the will of God Outside of what you've conjured. Praise the living God. Are you listening to me? And so it's very important that we walk freely with God and allow Him to lead us, allow Him to dictate for us the life that we are supposed to live. That's why scripture says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Praise the living God. So, what have I tried to share with you this evening? Number 18 and number 19. And I want to go to the fourth scripture to end up there. Exodus 20 1 to 3. Exodus 20 1 to 3. Let's take that again. And God spake all these words, saying. I am the Lord thy God which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of world bondage. Therefore, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Anything you place before God takes you back into what? Into bondage. So we'll find out in the book of Judges. As long as they go worship asteroid, worship Baalim, God takes them into bondage. That is what the scripture was speaking about that's what was playing out praise the living God and so even if you take time to read all through that passage you begin to see when it talks about person, the third the fourth generation and as a matter of fact all of those things played out in the book of Judges, based on this particular scripture because they went into worshipping idols praise the Lord and like we find from Ezekiel 14 idols are not just wooden stuff idols cannot just carved the images Idols are uh, thought patterns. Idols are uh, ideas and belief systems that are standing in opposition to God. That's why scripture say, casting down every imagination and every idea that exalted itself against what? The knowledge of God. So that you don't become an idol in your heart and in your thinking. And if that happens, what's the next thing that happens? You go into captivity. You become bound get into bondage to even that thought, thought, that pattern of life and existence, and even those things that you were not looking for, you were anticipating, they begin to come. In other words, you go into idolatry, you open doors for the enemies to conquer you. So Assyrian conquered Israel, like we said, after the 19 kings, and all of that Eglon, Moabite, Amalekite, Philistines, they were all coming in to deal with Israel. Why? Because they went into idolatry. So when you go into idolatry, even in your heart, God, you open the door for enemies to come in. God allows them and the purpose again is to deal with you that you may come back to God. Because when you go into bondage for so long, remember in Egypt the Bible said, the cry of the children of Israel got unto God. You see when you're in bondage, there's a way you're going to be praying or crying unto the Lord and that is one of the things God allows when you go into idol worship, it gives you into bondage, that the punishment in that bondage turns you back onto who? Onto God. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email at at gkai.net. God bless you.